Welcome to the PR Resolution Podcast. I'm your host, Stella Bales. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing experts in emerging areas of PR. We'll be taking those hot topics in public relations, dispelling any myths, breaking down the jargon, so you are completely clued up and ready to speak to your stakeholders by the time you reach the office. If you have any questions around the episode, please feel free to tweet me at Stella Bales. This episode was recorded at a PRSA event. It was the Marketing and Digital Communications Conference in Arizona. I was really lucky to be invited to speak at the event. I ran a workshop all about digital communications and measuring and also data storytelling. It was great, not just my workshop, but the event was great because the PRSA did something slightly different this time. All of the speakers and the people running workshops were all experts in other areas of digital marketing and not just PR. It was fantastic. People flew in from all over North America all to learn more about digital marketing. I caught up with one of the people running one of the workshops, Shanna Apis. She is the executive creative director at Hunt Adkins. They're an ad agency in Minneapolis in Minnesota. Shanna's workshop was all about how paid media fits with overall brand communications. She's been a planner and a strategist for US brands for years and is now heading up innovation and creative at Hunt Adkins. Shanna really gets the importance of creativity in marketing, but she applies that to paid ads. She really knows how to connect with an audience. I wanted to find out more from Shanna about how she thinks paid and PR sit together now. Now that silos are breaking down and more PR teams are running paid campaigns, who should be doing what and where does the paid and earned partnerships begin and end? In this episode, Shanna explains the creative similarities between our two disciplines. And she also talks through a campaign example where clearly the years of knowledge of advertising really falls through. And you can see how a particular budget was not only just used well, but it was used to absolutely smash their targets and really helped a mobile business grow. It's really interesting. Here's Shanna with more. So we are at a really interesting conference because they are, at the PRSA are bringing in lots of talent from different areas of digital marketing and people from lots of different areas of PR are all together and in sort of longer form workshops learning about digital marketing, which is just so important right now because silos are being broken down, communications is across the board, it's not in different pockets of traditional PR anymore or just different routes of paid and owned. It's all merging. So I've got a bit of an expert in this joining me to explore this area. So Shanna, you've worked in digital marketing for quite some time. And I know that today you've been talking about paid media. I want to carry on exploring that with you. Um, and in particular, just want to get your thoughts and hear about your expertise in really where PR is with paid and actually just digital comms as a whole. Very big question to start with. <laughs> oh, just, just that Go. to start with. Okay. Well, you know, as you mentioned, Sal, I think today we talk about breaking down silos and integrated marketing, um, but really 360-degree strategies, it's kind of a buzzword, but 
those are the new table stakes. I think we're past the point of even talking about, you know, that being the future. It's kind of like when people are like, Facebook's the future. Now it's, if you're not there, I mean, and it's even getting old. So I think integrated marketing, when we talk about paid, owned, and earned, that's just where you need to be in order to be successful today, period. From a brand standpoint, how are you going to provide value to your stakeholders, your end customer? It's no longer just about ads or a news story. You have to be there, plus providing them value on your own channels as well. And that's why it's critically important that everything works seamlessly um, together or is integrated. People can't, you can't have a PR company working on something and a separate ad agency anymore and you're um, separate in-house. It just doesn't work. Consumers are savvy and smart and see the difference. Um, and if you want a strong brand, you have to make sure that's consistent throughout. Yeah. So let's play a, let's play some, a game. <laughs> so I, um, some of my listeners will know that I've, all, I've been PR for, for many years and started in agency side. So I've always been part of PR agencies uh, before working at Coverage Book. You are on digital marketing and specifically sort of paid side, agency side. So let's say that we've been hired as a, for, uh, on behalf of a brand and we're about to work on a campaign together. Who leads what? And where do we start working together? Well, uh, first off, usually that's up to what the client <laughs> wants us to do because we're But we don't fight it out, no? <laughs> um, I think, you know, what, what happens in reality today, sometimes there's still a little bit of a battle. But in my experience, um, which is really great, I mean, I would say over the last five years, agencies, when you are working in partnership through a client, have just come to the reality of there's no use in poaching anymore. There's no use in somebody trying to have the upper hand because we do all have to work together. And that sounds a little um, maybe optimistic and um, perfect world, but it's it's just true. So I think, you know, who, who works what first, um, that's going to depend on your business objective. Um, sometimes it's appropriate for the PR agency or what you're doing on the earned side to lead because that's going to have a more relevant message if it's something that's more newsworthy and you're pitching pubs and it needs to be have some more immediacy to it. And then we can comment on the paid side and say, how can we help supplement or amplify what you're doing? Um, sometimes maybe that's just having your brand around more often. So um, somebody that might have some recency bias, they just heard about you in the news that's happening right now with Peloton. I feel like I hear about Peloton everywhere because they were in the news. It's holiday season. They launched an ad campaign people are talking about, and they're smart, and now they're running ads everywhere. So that's where, you know, on the paid side, we can come in and help. Um, conversely, you know, on the paid side, if we're working on a campaign and it's for a specific product or service or it's overall brand, Maybe we own the strategy to start, but then come in and work with the PR team so that you can help us. How can we craft our messages or what what can we do together to do something that's more in the paid realm or pitch or do stunt kind of stuff? Um, we've run whole campaigns before. The agency I work for, um, we're known for more disruptive kind of out there advertising. They've been around since 91 and they were known for always doing things differently and so a lot of times we'll do, it's traditionally paid advertising, but it looks and has the feel almost of PR or something that's earned because it's so different and out there. 
Um, so I think that's an opportunity where if we had PR partners working with us, that's just going to double the effectiveness and it's going to double and enhance the creative. Um, and I think it just makes for stronger programs. Can you give us an example of one of those campaigns that's slightly different? Like that sounds sure. quite exciting. And like maybe is it does it create a bit of word of mouth, mm -hmm. which is like a, yeah. the uh, holy grail of PR. That's what, yeah. that's what, that's what we're here to do, <laughs> create conversations. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it would be great for, especially for some of the listeners who um, haven't worked mm -hmm. with paid, feel like they need to be, or maybe are just working with quite traditional paid advertising. Sure. This yeah. sounds like it could be quite a fun time. Yeah. So we ran a campaign. This was a couple of years ago. Well, actually, maybe more than a couple of years ago now. Um, time flies really fast. It was for a U.S. regional um, cell phone company. It was based out of Iowa, so in the upper Midwest. Um, they're also in Illinois, and they're called iWireless. Um, since then, they've bought they've been bought out by T-Mobile, but they were launching in a new market. Uh, they were also experiencing some customer churn and just needed to focus on sales and getting new customers. We were helping them out with a rebranding, so we were doing their identity, um, and they wanted a campaign to come out. And now this is a regional cell phone company, so they're up against Verizon, AT&T. I mean, they're being, if they have $600,000 to spend, these other companies are outspending them on paid media. They're spending $60 million. So the money they have is a drop in the bucket. Um, so we needed to do something really unconventional and interesting. You know, how do we get some buzz out of paid channels? So we created, this was before um, all the large players came out with no contract. It was about six or eight months before T-Mobile announced they were getting rid of all cell phone contracts. Um, and we came out with a campaign. It was called Freenet. And we built a community of people. The hero of the story, his name was Ned. And we launched it with a TV spot that ran for four weeks in the upper Midwest. And it had Ned kidnapped in a basement, taped to a chair, reading, saying that he'd been kidnapped by his um, cell phone company and that he would be available but unreachable for the next two years. <laughs> in a dark basement, no branding, and then we just put up a URL that said freened.org. And then it went to black. So you say TV. So that was a, a TV ad, and, right? Yeah, you it ran place. first um, on TV. We also ran on digital. But this is what launched this campaign that we were calling Freened. So just... And it was tongue-in-cheek because we didn't want people to get, get scared. Get really worried for so anyone they know. Really <laughs> yes. I guess it was good for the little TV. Yeah. Like, if it had been radio, people were like, wait, where's yeah, my friend Ned? Exactly. <laughs> um, so when people went to freened.org, then we had built out um, freened.org website. So it looked like a social advocacy group that was working tirelessly to free Ned. We had built out Ned's family and friends and gave them all social profiles. Oh. So all of them had anywhere from three to nine social profiles. And we backdated it like four, six months so that when people went there, they knew it was fictional, but you almost, you didn't know because it seemed so real and people were interacting with each other. And it was this really interactive experience. So then we started um, next and we rolled out street teams um, that we paid that were running protests. So we had people downtown with signs that said free Ned. People would walk around with free Ned t-shirts. We put up free Ned wild postings. And this is where that line is blurred between, you know, PR and paid advertising. Everything we did from an ad agency standpoint, it was all paid. But because of the nature and feel of the campaign, 
We started getting local news coverage. Um, publications were following us. They were interviewing us. And we hadn't even introduced iWireless yet, the brand that we were doing this for. So we were ramping that up really high. People online were talking. And then we had the brand come in, iWireless, tongue-in-cheek as, you know, we have a plan to save Ned, and we want to be Ned's advocate, and we're going to fight tirelessly until, uh, you know, he's freed from his cell phone contract. <laughs> and that allowed, and that gave us a channel then to talk about some of the more promotional things that we just have to do from a business standpoint, um, but do it in a really fun way that people, it didn't churn people off. They were having fun with it. They liked it. People were checking out iWireless that had never before because um, they were a very value-based brand and had been running traditionally very value-based, like freestanding insert type supermarket ads. People started to pay attention because it had an emotional feel to it. People could relate to it. We were targeting younger, you know, people, but people that wanted something different. It was a, it was an underdog brand. So we came out with this more underdog campaign. Um, at the end, we freed Ned. Um, we released, um, we renamed the contract or the cell phone plans, um, and they were called Freedom Plans then. Again, before T-Mobile then did this like six months later, but um, it was it was really successful. And within six weeks, we spent about... $500,000 in a regional market, and that was across TV, street teams, radio, out of home, digital. Um, we were pretty, you know, um, lean with our budget. Um, but we increased sales over 25% within six weeks. And then interestingly, we also were able to lower our cost of media per activation or per sale. So when they were running more traditional you know, this phone's on sale, try this plan more hard sell through this more emotional kind of PR news driven feel, we were able to lower um, cost of media activation by a quarter of the cost as well. Wow. Um, I love it being, uh, well, the, the listeners will know that I absolutely love yeah. measurement and yeah. to be able to just have that, yeah, increased sales by 25%. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if only we could have that in PR. So like going, uh, obviously we are going to be interested in that PR element and you said that, um, you know, you naturally just had uh, publications writing about you. What kind of PR came off the back of it with no planning? <laughs> so it sounds like the absolute dream, but yeah. What? Yeah, um, it was great. I mean, it was a lot of, this was um, regionally based. So it started off um, with more regional, cut, local, local news, local nightly news. They would run stories. Have you seen the site free Ned? And who is Ned? And what's his story? But we didn't release anything yet at the time. So people re were really just talking about it and asking about it. It got picked up, you know, online, some different smaller blogs at the time, um, a lot of social media people were, uh, well, it still had that teaser mystique, you know, talking about it, asking about it. Then once it rolled out, we had some more um, B2B on the cellular service side covering um, after the campaign rolled out about the success of it um, and about doing something more emotionally engaging. Um, we actually won within that industry a lot of awards um, for that work. Do you feel like the um, the sort of natural PR coverage or the pickup pick within the press helped with the success? Yeah, de definitely. I mean, it got people talking. I think, too, in hindsight, unfortunately, um, the client, and we had not invested money in 
traditional PR. And I think if we would have had an agency or a team working with us in tandem, I mean, this we did just with paid media. If we had had a PR team working with us, I think we could have lit this uh, much larger on a national level too. This podcast is brought to you by CoverageBook, the reporting tool that's made by PR people for PR people. Head to coveragebook.com for your free trial. I want to stick with Ned for a little bit longer. (laughs) I love Ned. Um, So, uh, yeah, I've got two questions in my head. Uh, You said, like, in hindsight, it could have maybe even been stronger Mm. if you had worked with a PR agency. Um, Coming from an integrated agency that you do and coming up with a creative like that, at what point would you have brought PR in? So, you know, if I could go back and... and don't keep running the campaign is super successful, but if I could go back and even make it even better, the idea for Free Ned, it came out when we were early on concepting. So just like anything in advertising, the client says we want to, you know, increase customer share and we're launching to a new market. We need some creative ideas and we'll put together, you know, however many, three, five different campaign approaches. And this was just one of them. So I think at that point, if the client would have said, we're interested in that, that's great. I, ideally, I would have loved to bring in the PR arm so we could have talked about that idea, how we see TV out of home, the social universe happening, and then start to build on that. Because um, it's something we you know, we could have seeded um, even early on. So, sorry, did they have a PR um, set up already? Did they have a PR agency or are you the only agency? No, we were the only agency. They had um, some in-house, tend to be more corporate communications, um, very minimal PR, but no, they actually didn't even have budgeted for PR. Did you get... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, sorry. <laughs> was there um, any like interview requests and things from the local media and who was picking that up? Was yeah, that coming to you that guys? Was, um, well, yeah, that would come some to us, uh, but it would go mostly to the headquarters. So they were handling that there yeah. in-house, yeah. So um, it's an amazing creative, um, but I, I think that there, there's probably some people who are listening and gone, we could come up with something mm-hmm. like that. That feels like a creative that we could come up with. And may have, potentially it's just that the activation that's going to be different. Mm-hmm. But if there was a PR agency thinking, okay, so where where do you start with, with launching ads like that? Like, Where did you start with, with free neds? You might say maybe they shouldn't do it. I don't know. That could be a second part to my question. But um, I guess just sticking with your example, yeah. activation-wise, like, did you run, like, what was it, videos on Facebook? Or what kind of ads were there? Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it honestly was a little bit of everything. So we ran TV, broadcast, like primetime, cable, video, pre-roll, because we really wanted to be everywhere. Um, Facebook, Instagram, I mean, all the social channels. Um, We were running out of home, also non-traditional out of homes, like wild postings, um, going to coffee shops, putting postcards down, stickers, pins, um, radio, I mean, digital banner ads, it was everything. Um, So, you know, to answer... Your first question, this this is a more, it has a like PR feel to it. So uh, without a doubt, a PR agency could come up with this idea and probably execute it really well. Where I would say, where can a paid agency come in and, you know, help support something like this if someone comes up with that idea? I think it comes into just efficiency and expertise in the paid mediums. So 
very um, intentionally the content or the ads that we created by each paid medium uh, were created because we're we're experts in that. You know, understanding regulations. What do you have to talk about with legal um, when you run on certain platforms? How are these things working? How can we test the metrics and what can we gather um, when somebody comes from a unique URL um, on TV or on radio or on a digital banner and, and backtrack that? So I think it, you know, it's, it's safe and fair to say that. It's not that people couldn't do it. It's just how can we both together use our areas of expertise um, to make something even better yeah. together. I mean, and some of it too is even, you know, production um, or media relationships that ad agencies just tend to have. So you can um, create things more cost effectively or negotiate better rates. Yeah, I mean, that cost effectiveness that you just mentioned at the end, when you were talking about how many different style of ads that you had, that huge list that, you know, it was offline, online, mm -hmm. across all sorts of platforms, even if it was just online. How did you make that budget work? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, not, not to toot my own horn, but I will. You know, our agency is known, you know, it's, it's pretty scrappy where we will, we will make anything work always, no matter what, because we, you know, we're really excited about the cool work that we get to do. And when you have a great idea and you have faith in it, you really want to do whatever it takes. So um, again, that sounds a little pie in the sky, but um, it's just true. For all that media, you know, we had to back in because um, we didn't have that many, much production dollars. So we had this idea. We knew that we could create something that if it felt rough, that would work too. So that was part of where this idea even originated as well. We didn't have big budgets. So we knew we needed to make something with high impact. And this was a way to do it, where we could save money both on the production and media side. Because, mm -hmm. um, I mean, with media, we spent like $500,000, or I can't remember. It was, it was between five hundred dollars and $600,000. But compared to the competitors that, you know, that's nothing. And I think our, I mean, our production budget, what, maybe it was $100,000, which again is not that much for all that we were doing. But we knew that going into it. So that's how this concept was born as well. And just staying with the, the content and the production um, topic and, and budget. Mm -hmm. So within PR and I guess the earned side of communications when we're creating content we've probably got different platforms or different types of influencers in mind when we're creating something so whether it, a blogger might like something a little bit more mm -hmm. rough around the edges maybe not so um so, so highly designed or you know journalists might want more of their own experience etc cetera, etc cetera. when you're thinking about content for paid is that the same case for different platforms like did you have to create different content for different platforms or are you able to just create one video and just roll it out? I mean, definitely the smart thing to do is to think about how you're going to optimize your content for each channel or platform. Um, the way people consume information on Facebook versus a newspaper versus TV is radically different. It's not to say that you can't have a concept that translates well across all platforms, but you have to be very intentional and make sure that that works. Um, it's kind of an old school way where people used to think, oh, I'll create a TV spot or a print ad or whatever, and now I'm going to flesh that out across all these channels. And that was happening kind of like 10 years ago when people are getting accustomed to social media and, get, you know, like 
people that just been around a lot longer would create these ads for more traditional channels and they just don't work across everything. Um, so I think people today are smarter where they're developing concepts and campaigns that are fluid and work. But yes, definitely, you need to create individual pieces um, that not only, only perform well, that look good, that are engaging, but also consider how is your viewer, customer, or fan consuming content at that point. Um, you know, something on Facebook, someone might just um, be on their commute to work mindlessly scrolling through something. How are you going to stand out on that? It's not just about putting video on there. It's about considering that context, um, which might be different um, from running a streaming interstitial during a TV ad, you know, but that's on Hulu where somebody like is watching this and they have to watch the ad in order to get to the next thing. You can't just run video for that. So, I mean, there's so much to consider there. As you were talking, I was thinking, okay, so you have to have the understanding of consumers' interaction on a particular platform. Mm -hmm. But then also you mentioned there's, like, rules and guidelines per platform that advertisers need to know. And I guess, like, from a PR perspective, once we've created our content and we've sold that into media it's then really over to the publisher and unless it's owned of course but we've earned it's like handing that over to the publisher and then the way that they talk about the brand hopefully oh you know glowing reports yeah. of our brand <laughs> very positive but yeah it's, it's in the hands of the publisher so we you know if something is sort of written in the wrong way it's the journalist it's the blogger that's very different to advertising and that's that's an area from a PR perspective of like, whoa, uh, I wouldn't know where to start with that. Um, yeah, I think um, one thing, so yes, that's, that's all true. You know, you have to think about um, sometimes there's different regulations, um, how often you have to talk about your brand depending on the channel, what type of risk your company is willing to take. Sometimes it's not necessarily whether it's legal or not. It's just what's a best practice or what you're brand or company is willing to do that you have to take into consideration. Um, there's other, you know, ADA guidelines too that you have to consider across different platforms. So, you know, there's a way to do it. It just, it takes research and learning in most every publication. I mean, there's information out there. Um, what I would recommend, and um, we were talking um, with some people earlier this morning at the conference about it, is from what I understand on the PR side, it's becoming increasingly important to put together um, more content packages when you're pitching. Um, it's not more traditionally, and this might be a little more old school, but it's, you know, you're pitching the story and then um, the publication's gonna put content together. What can you do today to put together these omni-channel or opti-channel type of asset packages that tell the story in long format, short format, video, print, sound bites. If you can put that together, not only just in different narrative types, but if you can think ahead enough, even though you're not placing paid media, it's still the same type of thing that publishers need to consider. I think that as a PR professional is only going to give you a leg up when you are pitching um, I would assume to 
editors or whomever that might be at the pubs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it feels like the creative stage, especially the example that you just talked through with Free Ned, really similar kind of process. So I'm guessing knowing the brand inside out, knowing the difference between the competitors is how you got to that that creative yeah, concept yeah. of the no contract, but yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It just feels like it would be really exciting to just be in the creative brainstorm together <laughs> to then have that kind of knowledge. But yeah, just us say that I'm, I'm in a PR agency. We we want to come up with some kind of you know, dream to have an integrated campaign. Mm-hmm. Should a PR agency hire a paid person, or do you think PR agencies should start to look for paid and digital agencies and make friends? Like, what? Where do we go with this <laughs> with this lovely integrated best friends yeah. future? <laughs> I think, you know, it's all going to depend on the size of the agency and client. Um, But, you know, hiring a one-off person is probably going to be difficult. Just like on your end, if I was at an ad agency and I said, I'm just going to hire one PR person and that's going to work for all of our clients of different sizes and different industries, you'd probably be like, "Uh, not a good idea, Shanna. Like that person can't do everything. So now, yeah, maybe smaller shops, but that's probably not the right route. What I think it is, like you said, I mean, it's, it is partnerships. Um, either you can have exclusive partnerships between ad agencies and PR firms and you work on things regularly together. And the pro of that is your teams start to know each other well. You're knowing each other across, at least on the agency side, across different clients, different industries. You'll together have lessons learned that you can take on to you know the next project or program. Um, but what we typically do at Hunt Adkins is we'll work with different agencies depending on the project so that we can find the right PR firm with the right experience or the right culture or personality or connections to fit whatever our client project is at hand. And I would recommend on the PR side that you, you know, think about that as the same thing. Um, There might, like you were talking before, maybe you have a luxury brand and it's more appropriate for you to hire an ad agency that really specializes in beautiful design, it's luxury brand, it's new digital medium where people are relevant there, but you might have another client that's more like this iWireless underdog and that more luxury brand, they can do it, but they might not cut it or know um, or just work as well for that. Um, Now, all that said, can a PR company buy paid advertising? Totally. And I, I do believe that, you know, um, it's important to start building up those capabilities and skill sets. I would just recommend to think about and consider, don't try to, you know, do everything yourself if you need bigger projects, if you need to be less risk adverse, if you need to move fast, if you need cost efficiencies. But that's not saying you, you know, can't do it. There's a lot of self-serve platforms today Media reps, just like, will help anybody. They're the opposite of editors. They want to talk to anybody that will call them up and they will sell you. Um, So it's not that you, you know, again, not that you can't do it. It's just, where's that area of expertise? Yeah. Is there um, any kind of verticals that that just ads just don't don't work? Paid media doesn't work for. Like, because you talked about the the guidelines and and rules in place um, and, you know, protection around consumers. So I'm thinking, like, oh, but then... So I was about to say healthcare, but then I've seen a lot of paid ads for healthcare. So, um, so yeah, are there any verticals that, have, in your experience, you're just like, do you know what, just don't even bother with paid? It's a really great question. I have never 
been asked that question ever. So I love it. And my answer to that would be no. I Because, you know, advertising, just like any type of communications, the end person or whomever's at the end of this journey or whoever's attention or action we're trying to get is a human being. And one thing, um, you know, I remind people a lot, especially on the B2B side, is It's B2B advertising, but that doesn't mean people are robots. It's the same people that you're advertising B2C lifestyle to. People like to be educated, entertained. They like to laugh. They like to cry. They like to be treated like human beings. So really, no matter what vertical you're in, I don't know in what case that would never not be true, that you would want some type of information and some type of value out of what advertising can bring to you. Now, that said, do some verticals do a horrible, horrible, horrible job, and that's going to make people feel like no one should advertise in that space? Yes, I do think so. But um, that doesn't mean that we all can't do better. And so we are at a really good conference, in, in, and the reason why I say that is because not just because I'm, I'm here and I say, thank you, PRSA. No, it is a really great conference because it has people like you from a different area of marketing sharing your knowledge with um, PR and comms professionals, and there's SEO experts, and they really have thought about bringing in different areas of marketing, which isn't that common, actually, in, in PR conferences, um, and it's great that they're doing that. If people, if listeners uh, who haven't been able to make it to this particular conference, but they do want to find out more about paid, is there any sort of further reading? Like what do your, what do people at your agency do to, to better educate themselves in, in paid, which seems like such a huge topic? Like do, should a PR person ever go to a paid conference? Yeah. I mean, and what's hard is like, there are, there's so many industry pubs, I mean, and conferences. Um, I think you know, you can start with the basics, which uh, most people read. But if you're not already, Ad Age, Ad Week, they're always talking about what's going on um, in the advertising world. And they skew towards paid, but it really is about integrated and brand experiences. Um, so if you're not following them, follow them. You know, there's also a association like PRSA, um, but it's called the 4As. And don't ask me to say what the four <laughs> is are. Something advertising in America, but um, I can't remember the other two. Um, association. Yes, association. Break it up. And. And. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, but they're actually a really great resource as well. Um, they came out and helped. They wanted to help um, ad agencies nationwide. So they have a lot of different conferences. They do um, webinar classes. They do papers. They have uh, just good tools to help you understand like what, what's changing or what's going on, even in terms of business modeling and how to bill out people for um, doing different things. So I, I would say that's a really good industry resource. Otherwise, this is also going to sound just as big as understanding paid medias. Um, we get this question a lot from like interns or people starting out um, at my agency, and they ask, you know, Shanna, how, how do you know so much and how do you keep up on things? And the answer really is I consume every single thing that I can. I mean, it, it sounds almost hilarious, but, um, you know, it's subscribing to media vendors, white papers and websites, and 
even if 80% of it's garbage, 20% of it's going to teach you something. So what can you do with vendors, publications? Um, there's other good organizations like the uh, Pew Research Institute that that's free. It's government run. Um, they talk a lot about paid media and channels that people are on, macro trends. Um, and then you have you know, Google and Facebook, and they provide you with platforms that help educate you on um, what's happening. You know, it's really great right now that Facebook library or Facebook ad library just opened up this year. It's part of the political aftermath, but it's going to help us commercial advertisers. You can go in and look up any page, and if they've run paid ads, it will show you whether they're active or not. You can click on that ad, see what the engagement like is like, if it's performed or not, so that can inform what you're doing. Um, they'll, you can see where it's run, how much they paid, who spent the money. I mean, you wow. can really get into it. Yeah. Is that just on Facebook that you can check who, who ran the ads? Is there other platforms that do that? Um, not that I, well, you can, um, not that's open source and free. Um, there are other companies like Kantar, um, Numerator, that used to be Competitrack. Um, there are a lot of, they're like ad clipping companies, but in the digital world now today, um, where they will track your competitive set, they can tell you um, competitive ad spends, and they're really at Intel base. I'm sure there's more out there, I'm uh, not remembering, but you can do that. But in terms of just, you know, if you're starting out and you're not wanting to um, pay for a subscription for something, even those companies have blogs that you can garner enough information from a lot of the times. That feels like a really good place to start, actually. I mean, I don't know if I'm just saying that just because I'm really nosy <laughs> and I want to know who's running what ads. But I think that is a good place to start because if you see crazy campaigns, like if I'd seen that free Ned one on Facebook, I'd have been like, that's cool. Who's doing that? Yeah. Um, and then you can relate it to, I guess, creatives and campaigns you're working on. So it sounds like really good advice. Right. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that's just a really, really good beginner's plan to me now entering into the world of paid. Thank you. Great. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Stellis. It's been awesome. And um, it's been a great conference. Um, we better go to the next, the yeah, next speakers. To the next speaker. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. This is the PR Resolution Podcast. Keep in touch by following me on Twitter at Stella Bales. For more reading on PR, head to blog.coveragebook.com. Don't forget to tune in to the next episode and make sure you subscribe to the series on iTunes now. See you there.